I've really decided of, among the many passages I could have chosen, I've decided to, to focus just on two because, first of all, we've, we've got a lot going on today and, and my message needs to be a little more on the tight side. Um, so I'm focusing on just two passages from the New Testament that are giving us insight into the phrase, in the Spirit. Um, because if we understand how the phrase, in the Spirit, is used in the New Testament in particular, that will throw light on the subject of what praying in the Spirit means. And our first uh, passage that we're going to look at is from Luke 2. Luke 2, 25 to 28. Um, This is a man that I have always been um, enamored by, frankly. I've, I've thought of Simeon many times through the years. It's a remarkable how in just a few verses what is said about this man. We know nothing about this man, Simeon, except what it says uh, in these verses, and it is amazing what it says. And let me read that to you, Luke 2, 25 to 28, and I want you to pay attention to the references to the Holy Spirit regarding Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came, and here's the phrase, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now, we just don't have time to look at this passage in detail But I want to just make a couple of comments about it. Notice that in these just few verses, four verses, the Holy Spirit is mentioned three times, describing both uh, the Holy Spirit's relationship to Simeon and Simeon's relationship to the Holy Spirit. So two comments that I think are going to give us insight into the phrase, in the Spirit. The first, of it, well, first thing I want to tell you is notice that Simeon is a man that is deeply devoted to God. Uh, notice that it talks about him as being righteous and devout. The word righteous there means someone who is committed to the highest moral standards of behavior. The word devout is, is really a, a, a word, it's interesting, I looked in, in about 10 different translations for what, how different translations would, would translate the word devout. And virtually, the very, very strict translations, very literal, right down to almost paraphrases, all translate this word devout. Uh, uh, it's, it's a word that's almost a catchphrase for the deeply godly person. It's the exact opposite of being a fake, manipulative, hypocritical. Uh, it, it's, it describes a person that what you see is what you get. Uh, they are all in. They, they love and they live for God's will. And they truly love God. And it is no coincidence, my friends, that the Holy Spirit's active ministry is spoken of regarding this man, Simeon, in, 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 his, in this life that is deeply committed to the reign and rule of God in his life. The, 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 the spirit is all over Simeon. He, the spirit is on him. The spirit is talking to him about things, uh, telling him deep in his heart that he's going to see the Christ. 
And at the very moment where Christ enters the temple, he's led by the Spirit into the temple. He's a man that is, is controlled by the Holy Spirit. But it tells us, before it tells you that, that he's righteous and devout. That is significant. Obedience and the Holy Spirit's ministry go together. If we are not committed to obeying God, we will not pray in the Spirit. If we are compromised, we will not pray in the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever tried to, to turn a steering wheel on your car when you're parked in, the, in your driveway. It's pretty much impossible, very difficult. Uh, but if you start rolling down the road, it's easy as ever to, to, to turn the steering wheel. In the same way, uh, the Holy Spirit easily directs a believer's life that is moving in the direction of his will. I've often maintained that the easiest people to pray for are people that are obedient Christians. I've seen over, over, over time, when I pray for obedient Christians, I find that they often respond to the prompts of the Holy Spirit very readily because they're used to doing that. The scriptures tell us in Acts 5.32, the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. An interesting verse. So first of all, I want you to see the connection between the holiness of the man's life and the Holy Spirit's influence in his life. There's a connection between those two things. Secondly, and this is even more important, and this is really where we want to center today, the phrase in the Spirit, in Luke 2.27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple, is used to describe the influence of the Spirit to move him to action. The, that he was, he was a person that when the Spirit moved in his life, he responded to the Spirit's movement in his life. The Spirit was moving him. It's like uh, if, if you imagine his life as being like a frying pan, and you put the frying pan on the element, and what happens? The, the, the heat of the element transfers to the frying pan. You see, and that's how you cook your food. Well, uh, imagine the, 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 the spirit's power as being the element that transfers to the, to the person. The, there was a connection between the spirit and his life. The spirit was not grieved as he dealt with Simeon. The spirit was not quenched. The spirit was not resisted. The spirit moved, and as he moved, Simeon moved with him, you see? I think that captures what in the spirit means. It links up with a lot of the other verses that I looked at that we don't have time to look at today. Now, look at another passage of scripture that also gives us a little insight into the same truth from uh, the life of the apostle Paul. Acts 19.21, Acts 19.21. And it simply says this. This is where Paul was in Ephesus. And I think that's significant somewhat because we find the, um, in the book of Ephesians, we find a lot of, I was tempted to talk to you about all the different ways the spirit is used in the book of Ephesians, but that's a whole study in itself. But it's interesting, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians, and praying in the Spirit is found in chapter 6. Now we find in Acts 19, 
that, that it's describing something about Paul in Ephesus. And it says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Just looking at this one scripture, it tells us this, that Paul makes a clear decision about what he's going to do, a course of action, and it's not primarily by just thinking out the options. It's not primarily by getting others' input. The decision is made in the spirit. Uh, Just as in Simeon's case, uh, we find that Paul also, when he was in the spirit, he was moved towards an action that expressed God's will. So based on these two verses that we've just looked at, like I said, I chose two kind of uh, standard verses from the New Testament. There's many more, and the same phrases are even used in the Old Testament. But I think just based on this and based on further study I've done that I just don't have time to pass on to you, I think we can put into words what the scripture means by in the spirit. Okay? And here's how I've tried to sum it up. Praying in the Spirit is the Holy Spirit moving in our heart to desire and seek God's will. As simple as that. It's the Holy Spirit moving in our heart. Get that idea of movement. The Holy Spirit moving, transferring his heart to us. Moving in our heart to desire and seek God's will. It is, the, it is the Spirit imparting his very heart to us in our praying. I think this is well expressed by Philippians 2.13. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Why do we need to pray in the Spirit? Why do we need outside help? to stir up our desires, to direct our prayers away from the kind of prayers that we are typically inclined towards. Well, my friends, you know why. It's because we're so easily distracted by lesser things and devoted to temporary rather than eternal things. It's because we so easily doubt when we pray and we are so easily to praying without heart, praying rote prayers, routine prayers, It's because we would rather play than pray. We would rather sleep than make supplications. We would rather relax than make requests. We would rather be entertained than be in earnest before God. This is why we know that prayer is hard, and we know that prayer is very hard. we've, We've heard about the, the vital importance of prayer all our lives. We all believe it. And yet we struggle with it because we need to pray in the Spirit. There are several ways that the Holy Spirit moves in our heart when someone is praying in the Spirit. I felt frustrated in this section of my message prep because there really is so many different ways and I just don't have the time to pass them on to you. But let me give you some of them anyway. This is some of the way that the Spirit moves in our heart when we are praying in the Spirit. He moves in our heart to begin to pray. 
some of you have heard me say this at prayer meeting, that the hardest thing about prayer is the small gap that exists between thinking about prayer and actually praying. That's the hardest thing about prayer. The single hardest thing about prayer is the small gap that exists between thinking about prayer and actually praying. Well, when you pray in the spirit, he closes the gap. He moves us not only to begin to pray, but to continue to pray, to not give up. He gives us perseverance because we so naturally give up. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up because that's so easy for us. And then my, uh, one of my spiritual heroes, John Owen, uh, has tremendous insight in this next point. He moves us to pray with faith. He moves us to pray with faith. And he says this, the spirit gives us a sight of God as on a throne of grace. The spirit gives us a sight of God as on a throne of grace. And then he goes on to say this, if a sinner comes to God seated on a throne of judgment, he will feel nothing but dread and terror and will foolishly try to avoid him and his displeasure. Where men have a spirit of bondage to fear, they can never have any delight in approaching God. This is removed by the spirit of grace and supplication, which consists of two things, enlarged liberty in speaking to God in prayer and confidence of being heard and accepted. In other words, the spirit, when we're praying in the spirit, the spirit is applying the results of the cross to us so that we are able to look at what he's accomplished for us the way God looks at it and pray with confidence. When we pray in the spirit, we're given spiritual eyes to see, to see God as a father who longs to meet with us and bless us rather than approaching him as somebody that's just barely tolerating us, who's angry with us, who's distracted, not wanting to spend time with us. To pray in the spirit is to see that God has the welcome mat out and he's got his arms extended to us and he's calling us in. This is what Romans 8 says, does it not? <clears throat> For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Papa. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, when, uh, whenever James comes to visit us, they only live two doors down, um, they always, Andrew and Laura always let him be the one that knocks at the side door. And he goes, Pappy, 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 we're here, Pappy. You know, and guess what? I'm, I'm not gonna say, hey, I don't wanna talk to you today. I'm busy, you know? Right away, I'm there. No matter what I'm doing, I'm taking a break and I give him a great big hug. This is what the Spirit does for us. Prayer in the spirit is, a, is prayer with a sense of being before a holy God and yet also a loving God. And therefore, because, because we approach a holy God, we're never casual or careless. But because he's a loving God, we're not cowering or cowardly. We have this reverent confidence. I find this verse in Psalm 147 intriguing. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. And then it describes what it means in those who hope in his steadfast love. 
That's amazing. If I fear him, I'm also hoping in his steadfast love. Those seem to be opposites. Next, he moves us to repent of all sin that is hindering our prayers. He moves us to repent of all sin that is hindering our prayers. Uh, here's the amazing thing. is so often sin keeps me from prayer. But then when I finally get to praying, uh, as I'm praying, my heart is moved to repent of sin that I'm hiding, that I'm not dealing with. I find that as I pray, my hard heart is softened. It's impossible to get a harder heart when you're praying. Scripture says, because your sinful acts have alienated you from God, from your God, your sins have caused him to reject you and not listen to your prayers. If, if, if God's not listening to the prayers of the sinful heart, the Holy Spirit is always moving us to deal with those sins. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Jesus said these words, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is what he does. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So he doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't just show us the glories of the cross. He also shows us the, the gory, depraved nature of our own sin. Another thing he does, he moves us to pray with earnestness and fervency. He moves in our hearts, I like to think, to take on God's heart in every situation. He moves in us to take on God's heart in every situation. I, this is what I imagine. This is, a, this is a picture that's been very compelling to me. That I, I imagine God at the Grand Canyon uh, shouting out something across the Grand Canyon. And then there is a softer echo back. And the softer echo is our prayers that express his will, his heart, his desire. I, I think of prayer. In fact, I think of the whole Christian life as, as an echo, just an echo back of God's own voice. So these are just a few ways that, that what it means to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit moving in our heart moving us to, in a sense, adopt God's heart in various ways that affect the way we think, the way we behave, the way we feel. So let me finish with two implications of what we've said here. Two, two implications. Wow, this is going to be a short one. Good. I didn't think I could do it. I still haven't done it, so I better keep moving. <laughs> Implication number one, like Simeon of old, we need to walk in the spirit before we pray in the spirit. We need to walk in the spirit before we pray in the spirit. We cannot not expect to ever pray in the spirit if we walk independently from God in our daily lives. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, it's very interesting. Like I said, the spirit is mentioned several times. And, and, and in chapter 3, he prays for the power of the Spirit for them. In chapter 5, he commands them to be filled with the Spirit. And then, only then, in chapter 6, does it say, and pray in the Spirit. And so, the way we live, the way we, the way we live and the way we pray are intimately connected. 
If we live our lives largely without God, we will not pray with God. Our prayers and our life go together. In fact, our prayer life is somewhat a reflection of our life or lack of it with God. Number two, and this is the main one, we need to let the Spirit move us. We need to let the Spirit move us. Uh, my friends, it's a mystery. You know, um, I was talking to uh, both Brian earlier and also Hiram about how so much of what God does in our life is, is mysterious. It's, this is something that I, I don't completely understand. And that is that God can at any time do anything he wants. Okay? He just says the word and things appear. Uh, uh, the, the most powerful leader on the planet, a pharaoh, he can just send plagues and, and utterly destroy the man. You know? Uh, he can send Cyrus, an unbeliever, to, 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 to make a decree to let his people go back to Jerusalem. Uh, he, can, he can, from the beginning of time, decide exactly how Christ is going to be betrayed, and he can predict things 600 years in advance. He knows everything. Nothing can resist his will, okay? And yet, uh, we can resist the Holy Spirit. That's, the Bible says we can do that. We can resist the Holy Spirit. So the opposite of that is not resisting him. Allowing him to move in us. If we don't allow the spirit to move in us, in a sense, we're, we're creating like a, putting like a piece of wood or, or metal or something that's, that's stopping the transfer of the element to the frying pan. It's, it's not lifting the sail. And so therefore, there's no wind in the sail to push the craft forward. The man that mentored me years ago used to say this, an evil spirit drives, but the Holy Spirit guides. An evil spirit drives, but the Holy Spirit guides. What he was emphasizing there was the manner in which the Holy Spirit worked. Yesterday, I was looking out these huge bay windows that we have. We built a big addition for Joanne's parents at the back of her house, and at the back, there's just huge windows. Um, it's, the whole wall is basically window. And there's, uh, they have all these bird feeders out back, and so there's tons of birds now, and they're in our backyard. Uh, all over the place, all kinds of birds. It's actually kind of fun to watch them. And uh, yesterday afternoon, I was watching this little dove going around and, and how the dove was so different from the other birds. Um, how gentle the, the, the dove is. Uh, and Joanne was telling me that even the chipmunks are not afraid of the doves. They'll, they're afraid of all the other birds, but, but the doves are so gentle that even the chipmunks will, will scurry around them and will pick up the seeds with them. It, it, it's interesting, is it not, that the Holy Spirit is, is compared to a dove in Scripture? Jesus is compared to a lamb that are both gentle creatures. When we were at the regional assembly uh, at the beginning of May, uh, we had a pastor that had been a pastor for 30 years give us lessons that were the most important lessons in pastoring that he had learned, and probably the most significant one that, that he said, and the one that touched all of us the most deeply was the, the priority of gentleness. That convicted me. 
Jesus even says, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The Holy Spirit will move in our hearts if we yield ourselves to him, but he will do it gently, not harshly. It's amazing to think that the God of the universe is gentle. If we lift the sail of our heart, the wind will come in and fill it and move us in our praying. Several years ago, I I started teaching my son, John. I got his permission to share this with you. Several years ago, I started teaching John that even though he was very shy and introverted and found it very hard to talk to people, I told him that he needed to learn how to talk to people because it was a loving thing to do. And his first question of me when I was approaching this subject with him was, well, how, Dad? How? I don't know what to say. So on our first lesson together, I gave him one question to use. And I said, here's the question, memorize it and then ask people this. And so he did. And he would ask people this, and this conversation got kind of short. And then he came back to me a few weeks later, and and I gave him some more questions. I gave him this question. I gave him other questions. Eventually, I told him that he could interact with people using verses in his his emails, in his conversations. And and little by little, over many, many months, uh, John started to grow in his ability to converse with people. And my friends, I've been pastor here now for 15 years. I think I know most of you pretty well. And I think I could say that there's nobody in this church that is quieter than my son, John. Uh, There's lots of introverts in this church, but nobody's more of an introvert than my son, John. But if you observe him on any given Sunday, you will see him talking to many people. And he's not just talking to his friends. He's talking to adults. He's talking to newcomers. And he does not do this because it is easy for him, because it is not. It is hard for him. He does it because someone, he let somebody into his life, which in this case is me. He let somebody into his life who moved him to do this. And then coached him over many months about how to do what was uncomfortable um, and make it more and more comfortable. I don't think it's still comfortable but he knows how to do it now. I couldn't really think of a better illustration than that about what praying in the Spirit is like. It's like that. Without the Holy Spirit's presence in our life and in our prayers, we wouldn't talk to God very much. We wouldn't talk to God the way we should talk to him. We wouldn't talk with faith. We wouldn't talk with earnestness. We wouldn't make our prayers all about his will. It would be mostly about our will. We wouldn't have the right kind of conversations with him. So, so he, he tells us, he moves in our heart to talk to God a particular way. And then praying in the Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit coaching us to do this, to do the very thing that's kind of uncomfortable and, and maybe even awkward for us. He eventually coaches us until we actually become people who love to pray. Let's pray. So, Father, as, we, as we're kind of at this new season in our church life, and we kind of feel like we're, we're standing at the door of an open door, we feel like there's opportunities ahead of us now. 
I pray we won't just kind of now boldly go where no man's gone before without you. We pray that we will depend on you, that we will be a, a, a church that prays in the spirit, that our, our, our praying will be spirit-moved praying. In Jesus' name, amen.